Unite Wedding Photographers and welcome to Wedding Photographers Unite, episode number 119. I want to be your host, Andy Buscemi, the self-proclaimed professor of photographic pontifications in good company with the good neighbor of good neighbors, Ms. Lindsay Daddario. Hi, everybody. Also joined by Mr. Nick D'Antonio. He's back. Not nickname, but here I am. <laughs> yeah, we got a different... A glad, different... To, glad to be here. We got a different kind of crew going here for you today. And we're also joined by Jamie Findlay. Am I saying that, Rick? Is that Findlay? Fin... I know the L-A-Y throws everybody. Findlay. Findlay. Jamie I guess Findlay. it depends on which area you live in, I guess. Okay. Well, Jamie, welcome. Um, you know, we have, uh, whenever we have a new guest on that hasn't been on, we just like to have them introduce the, our, themselves for our listeners. So, Jamie, who are you? What brought you down the path to wedding photography? And uh, just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. So the path to wedding photography, I have been a serial entrepreneur for 15 years. So I've owned several different companies during that time. And I always was a photographer, but for friends, occasionally when I was asked to do it for maybe an engagement session, but the way that I transitioned was actually, I owned a clothing company. I went to school for design and manufacturing and started a clothing company and did that for seven years. So I shot all of our commercial product. Mm. And then during that time, I kept trying to get better and practice on people in our community. And I started picking up a lot of clients and this is probably back to what 2012. Mm. And I realized about four years into doing it full time with my clothing company, I could only really do one or the other. And so I sold off my clothing company, went in full time into my photography. And now I do international wedding and portrait photography and specialize in editorial portraiture. So that's kind of my like photography journey. And then I still run several other businesses in addition to that. Mm. And uh, we can talk a little bit about one of your businesses right now, uh, uh, which is Evolve Workshops. Do you want to just give us a little uh, hint about that? We're going to get into, um, you know, a little bit more of that topic a little bit later. But uh, just give us the maybe 30 second idea of what Evolve Workshops is uh, so we uh, so we can get into that in a little bit later. Yeah. So. So Evolve was kind of created out of necessity. Like I said, I came from a clothing industry. And so it was really hard and different for me to go into something that was creative-based and to not have anybody to lean on or to trust on. And so it initially just started as a community event where I would invite people. I still have a full-service photography studio. So I'd invite people to my photography studio to get to know each other, to connect, to build content. And from there, I started to realize that nobody knew how to run a business. Nobody was making any money. Mm. And I started teaching people and doing private coaching. And eventually, it, you know, quote unquote, evolved into what it is now. Mm. And we do international education mm -hmm. that's community focused. Interesting. I'm going to I have a few questions. I know once we get to that, that section that I'm going to be interested in asking you about, um, which I'm going to put in my little notes right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, awesome. We're very excited to have you on the show and thank you so much for joining us. Um, so uh, just uh, let's uh, see what, what we've been up to. Nick, uh, we uh, we had you on a couple episodes ago. Um, just uh, 
for an awesome episode. Uh, we got a lot of great listener feedback on that. But uh, what have you been up to uh, lately? These past uh, these past couple of weeks. And Jamie, we see you again now on the okay. <laughs> on there. Yeah, okay, that's good. good. Yes. Like great. Uh, so Nick, what have you been up to? I uh, did my finished my last wedding of the season, uh, which you know again it was an an early end. Uh, sort of it's odd to end this early in the year, but for me, but uh, it's kind of how it went this year, and I'm very happy to be done. You know, feeling, you guys are all, you know, you get to the end of this. It's like very much like senioritis where you're like, all right, pull it together. You got to <laughs> go out and give it, you know, you got to give it everything. Yeah. You can't, you can't let off the gas at all. You got to push all the way through the end. Um, and, you know, so every year it's kind of like that. So this year has ended a little early for me. Um, so that was a few weeks ago. And then I actually did, uh, we talked about this last time I did that stylized shoot uh, that I had been wanting to do for really a couple of years um and did that and um you know i honestly after i was talking with you guys and i heard what you guys talked about before i really kind of wrestled with it a little bit because i never want that like i try to live life without like without like even the smell of anything (laughs) you know shady you know what i mean um and so i was like man am am i is any of this gonna if i put any of this work in my portfolio is it gonna come off could anyone ever accuse me of being, you know, disingenuous um, by either using somebody else's poses or, or kind of we talked a little bit about all that stuff mm-hmm. and really came down to it and decided the way I was going to shoot it was like, I'm going to shoot this just like a wedding and I'm going to feel great about it after and not feel weird at all about putting this stuff in my portfolio because I really want more control over my portfolio. Like, I don't want... You know, for a long time, I think you just kind of, I was just using like whatever brides would give me. Like, I guess this is my portfolio. Now I'm, I'm, you know, any look that they were going for flowers or decor, like I just sort of rolling with like, Hey, this is what my portfolio looks like. And I wanted more control over that. And that was the big thing about why I wanted to do it was to have a certain look, a certain type of dress, a certain type of flowers that I just didn't see my brides, you know, doing. Um, and, um, we were talking about it, me and the other vendors at the shoot. Like, I think sometimes people just need the oak to see that other people are doing it in real life and not in like a, on, you know, style me pretty or, um, did I get that right? Style me pretty. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. Um, once I said it out loud, it didn't sound right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, sometimes I feel like people just need to see like, oh yeah, other people are actually doing this and I can do that too. So that was really the whole push behind it. It was me and one other photographer. Um, we hired, um, we hired a male model, but he'd never done any shoots before. So he was <laughs> just like a groom. And, uh, <laughs> oh, well, there you the go. Bride, you you the hire a male model was... that never did it before. You're going yeah, to be, she's gonna be posing him just like he was a groom, yeah. you know? <laughs> hey, this guy, he was, he, he had the look, he had a okay. great, great look. <laughs> so we had that the nice kind of start, but as far as like experience, he was, he was just like a groom pretty much. And then the, the, the girl we used for, um, the, the bride model was same thing. She really uh, had no modeling experience, had done a few stylized shoots, but only for her venue because um, she happens to be the, the owner's daughter and, and does a lot of that stuff. So anyway, we used those two. So it was very much me and uh, the other guy I, I did it with. He's my like main second shooter, Jeb McConnell, great photographer. Uh, we kind of just took turns. And, and beer catcher. Stuff. What's that? Side note about Jeb, bears. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's... <laughs> He's all about the. His day job is to chase yeah. bears and tag yeah, them, gonna, which yeah, is so gonna... badass. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got a sweet sweet daytime job. Um, 
great guy. And we kind of just took turns. We got stuff that the other vendors needed. And we sort of just took turns with the couple. And it was very, very much like a, a wedding day. And, you know, I, I, I've, like, I've paid for, um, like, posing classes or, um, like, watch, you know, watch this photographer as I pose. You know, I'll teach you how to pose and how teach you how to have, like, brides pose and stuff like that. And then he hires, like, a model who's, like, the most natural, most natural, like, person in front of the camera. I'm like, you're not doing anything. What did I pay for? Like, 95% of the people I work with are terrified in front of the camera. I have no idea what to do. And I'm paying for your course, and you're going to trot out a model who's clearly done this a thousand times. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very goal. true. Like, yep. I was like, I was like, really, I was really mad about it. Um, I was like, what did I pay for? This is a joke. Like, show me he's like someone who is terrified in front of the camera. Make them look good, and I'll give you more money because that's what <laughs> I need to learn. And so I've, you know, I've kind of, I've gotten a lot better over the years. Uh, but that's, you know, very much felt very authentic to me. Um, we got some really cool flowers. Stacy K. Flowers is a local uh, to Rochester, New York, uh, florist, and we, um, some people, uh, we got. Um, some uh, rentals, couches, and stuff like that. So just stuff that, like, I just wasn't seeing at my weddings and wanted to show. And so it was awesome. I had a great time. We had to reschedule because of the weather, and I'm so glad we did. Still got some fall color. Um, and I'm excited to put it in my portfolio and feel great about it. So a um, couple years coming for that, and I'm, I'm excited it all went well. Cool. Lindsay, go ahead. Real quick. Yeah, I want to, um, I know I'm kind of jumping ahead with, with Jamie a little bit, but I know that the Evolve Workshops um, styled shoots are a big part of that. So I'd love totally. to hear, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. So we, just to um, catch you up a little bit, we had a conversation about um, styled shoots and when it's uh, like a big group of photographers all photographing the exact same person and is it okay to put it in your portfolio? Is it cheating? <laughs> is it, you know, um, and I know that, at Evolve, that's a part of it. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on um, how to create authentic connections among models and things like that for styled shoots. And if there are rules that go to it as far as like what you can use and can't use and shooting over each other's shoulders and directing for each other and how all of that works. <laughs> well, we've, we've gone back and forth several times um, about keeping styled shoots because of that exact Exact issue. I mean, sometimes we've done, we do several different levels. So we do conferences, we do workshops, which are like conferences or a couple hundred people, workshops are 50 or less and retreats are 15 or less. So every time we do a styled content shoot, it's a different amount of people, but it is really hard when you do a workshop and there's 40 to 50 people all shooting the same bride led by the same instructor and they all work in the same industry. Um, and so we've gone back and forth on, do we keep these? But truthfully, everybody wants them. They all want portfolio builds. They want to travel somewhere and have content. And so it's always yeah. a big attraction, which is crazy to me because the place I am in my business, I, I, I'm, like, I'm like Nick. I'd rather go out and do something for myself that is really authentic, even if it is stylized, than to have what everybody else wants. But it's a huge sale. A lot of new photographers don't know how to do that on their own. Mm. And I think... It's not wrong for them to use it to build clientele if they're doing it the right way. But we do have rules. We rotate. We make sure the instructors know ahead of time. They have to go from the outside in. They have to go from the front to back. They each get individual time to have connection. 
um, no pushing, no shoving, like no taking those images and publishing them. You didn't come up with them. You know, you didn't come up with the concept. You can't go publish it. Right. You know, you need to tag and yeah. give credit where credit is due. But as long as that happens, I don't mind them. And we see them a lot, but it is a conversation we have. Like Nick said, do we have a real couple that they can learn how to pose or do we hire somebody for 500 to a thousand dollars for a day rate and and they stand there and they're like beautiful and you get beautiful images right and truthfully there's photographers that want both right yeah that's true yeah um okay so uh Lindsay, what have you been up to where are you in your season right now um i don't have a lot of updates as far as that goes um but i do have a pretty amazing story to tell about something that happened at a wedding we're ready um, i'm ready i like amazing stories a long one okay there's um there's a bit of a backstory to this one so i guess it's something that happened over the course of a series of weddings um so wow. yeah. yeah um so the uh a few weeks ago i was on the show and i talked about how i was in that point in wedding season where i was starting to have crazy dreams about things that happen bad things that happen at weddings where i show up and all i have is a polaroid or all my lenses are suddenly really tiny and all crazy crazy things <laughs> that i have dreams about um nightmares i should say and so um one of those nightmares uh came true so <laughs> i uh the the first nightmare story so i've been doing this for like 13 years now um and i've had two really really horrible wedding stories the first one uh i had food poisoning at a wedding um so i was throwing up like crazy it was a horrible situation um i had to take many many breaks my i had a second shooter luckily um, I was very new, so this was um, actually the first time I worked with this second shooter and only my second season shooting wedding, so it was just, like, super, super stressful. Um, so I made it through, basically through the ceremony all right, and then after that, it was just nonstop for the rest of the day. Uh, and so I had to drive about 40 minutes between the ceremony and the reception and pulled over seven different times to grow up and uh, um, was this the most recent one or or this the, nope. this previous this one was, this Year happened two, right? yeah i have two two really bad ones you're telling this the old like one my right second now. season okay yep. gotcha okay i'm telling the oldest one gotcha gotcha <laughs> um because there's gonna be three. Oh wow but Spo spoiler alert okay. <laughs> um so the first uh the, going back to this first one uh i had to drive a long ways, kept having to pull over. I get to the the reception venue and I'm just basically brain dead at this point. I'm just I'm just sitting in my car. I couldn't muster up the strength to even walk into the venue. Uh, I finally do, and I, I didn't even bring my gear. I was just so out of my mind, dehydrated and in a really bad place. So I get into the venue, and I, I quickly go right into the bathroom again and immediately fainted. So there I was, unconscious in the bathroom floor of this venue. And um, some, you know, someone came in and saw me or whatever. And so I'm just kind of laying there in the fetal position on the floor of this bathroom. And the mother of the bride came in and like yelled at me. She's like, we need to start introductions. You need to get out there. And I'm like, oh, OK, <laughs> and I don't even have my, my cameras in the car. Like it was so bad. 
Um, and finally, the the bride came in, and luckily, she was uh, actually a medical student and was very um, understanding of my situation. And she's like, you know, you need to go. You you know, we need to get you an IV. You need to you need to get out of here. And I'm just like devastated. So she's like, we can call you an ambulance, or you can you know call somebody to get a ride. But like, you need you need help at this point. You've done enough. She was so sweet about it. She said, you know, wow. you got all the important stuff. I'm like. You know, I didn't do any of the reception. I definitely did not get all the important stuff, but she was just trying to make me feel comfortable with leaving, uh, which I eventually did. My second shooter took care of the rest of the night. Um, he did a, a good job. Uh, he was new at it, too. I mean, this was only this was one of my first weddings, too. So um, and then he quit, even though I, I paid him a lot of money and he quit. And it was just like a really bad situation. I gave them a free album. They were so gracious and kind about the whole thing. Um, but it was, it was a really a horrible day. I mean, I was crying the whole way home. I felt horrible. But so fast forward, maybe, I don't know, seven years, um, at another wedding and we're traveling between the ceremony and the uh, portraits. And uh, I was following the limo, and I had lost sight of it. I knew it would either have gone straight to get on a highway or it would have turned right to kind of take the city roads. And I glanced to the right as I'm coming up to an intersection to see if the limo had turned. And in that moment, the car in front of me slammed on its brakes because I saw some kids on bikes and thought they were coming at him. Slams on his brakes. I slam into the back of him big old car crash. So I ended up totaling my car. And meanwhile, I'm supposed to be shooting the portraits. Um, so I call my second shooter, but he's driving to the reception. It was a really short window. So I sent him ahead to cover details and that sort of stuff. So the couple is just waiting at the portrait site. Like, where is she? And I'm trying to get a hold of them. It was terrible. So basically, I missed the entire portrait section of that wedding really bad luckily the reception venue had a really nice area where we could take photos anyway so those are my like two horror stories from weddings so I was at this wedding a few weeks ago a couple weeks ago and um I I'm I'm photographing cocktail hour and this gentleman catches my eye and I think oh he looks familiar and I look away and I look back and I'm like oh my gosh and it was the guy the groom from the food poisoning wedding the first wedding <laughs> Yeah, from the food poisoning wedding. Yes, when you first started. First one. Okay. Yep. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's it's so good to see you." And um, he was very very kind and pulls the wife over, and they're still together. And they're like, "Oh, you know, we had our we already celebrated ten years. Everything's so great, and and you did a great job." And I and I told them, you know, when I when I go over my contract and I talk about what happens in an emergency situation, like I talk about your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "Oh man, we're the we're the example," and they were so sweet about it. And then I kid you not, as I'm talking to them, who taps me on the shoulder but the couple from the car accident wedding. Wow. They were wow. guests at this wedding. Like, what in, are the odds of this happening? Yeah. And all I can think of is, what if they start talking to each other? Like, if they're at the same table and they start... <laughs> comparing their horror stories <laughs> like well she crashed her car at my wedding oh she was throwing up and fainted at my wedding oh my god and then I got so paranoid you know we were talking about um separating our cards last episode yeah. and I'm like someone's gonna rob me while I'm walking to the car like something terrible is gonna happen <laughs> at this wedding I was so paranoid about it um and nothing, nothing super tragic happened at the wedding. However, I have since received a very interesting email from that couple. 
Oh. You guys ready for this one? Oh, gosh. Wait, so you photographed the wedding, you thought everything went well, and then you got an, an, email, an interesting email from that couple that night? No, not that night. Oh. After they got the photos. Okay, yep. gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I deliver the photos, and I get an email back that night saying these are amazing. We love them. Thank you so much. Whatever. Great. Go to bed. Wake up the next morning. I or I guess it was the next afternoon. I have um, a, a follow-up email where they, this was the, did I tell the story already about the ankles? Uh, is this the the zombie mirror one? When the, no. No? Okay. No, ankles? Go oh, ahead. Yeah, zombie mirror, yeah. But they also complained that their ankles were cut off in the oh, photos. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was part of the same wedding. Yeah. I remember you mentioning yeah. that. Yeah. And I didn't piece this together, but that was the bad thing that happened at that wedding. So something bad did happen. Okay. Well, that it could have been. But- worse oh, they were just kind of weird sometimes you get that yeah. <laughs> but yeah i forgot to tell the uh, the other backstory there yeah interesting. that also happened at that wedding so i had to fill fill in that blank <laughs> interesting Ugh. um jamie I, I i'm curious where are you in weddings you're in the bay area is that right no not anymore so i'm originally from central california we live in idaho oh Southeastern idaho. idaho oh cool yeah so tell me about um uh, Jamie Finley, the the wedding photographer. Where are you? And on top of running all these businesses that you run, um, but as as far as like uh, your season, where are you in your season? How does that look in Idaho or in that area? Are you traveling? You know, how many do you shoot in Idaho? Are you traveling? How often are you traveling? What does your life look like as a wedding photographer right now at this time of year? Well, this time of year is good now, but I mean, when I used to do local and I remember listening to one of your podcasts, I can't remember who it was talking about when you live in smaller towns, the pricing and how much it is so much less in smaller towns than it is outside the area. So, I mean, my first several years, I would shoot 40 weddings just to try to hit my goal. I mean, I was shooting sometimes six weddings a month. Mm -hmm. So over the years I've transitioned and I've really worked on building a business that's a higher price point. So Mm -hmm. I never take more than 10 and I shot my last wedding three weeks ago. Mm. So I'm sitting pretty. I also take November through January off. I don't shoot anything (laughs) for anybody. You're living the dream, Jamie. You made it happen. (laughs) I'm still still backlogged on editing. My neck still hurts from sitting here like this, you know, for (laughs) Yeah. Every hour I have free, but no weddings. I'm feeling good about that. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. But yeah, I definitely don't shoot in Idaho. Um, very rarely, I would say, would somebody in my local area pay for that. Right. I had one this year. Usually it's outside the area. And I do shoot the Bay Area quite a bit. I do destination. I shoot California a lot, and I shoot New York a lot. Gotcha. And then usually there's some random sprinkled locations every year. Yep, 100%. Um, Can I ask a question? Yeah, I'm curious how you how did you go from shooting local to being able to like a lot of people talk about how they, how they got into destination weddings. Um, I think it's something a lot of people are interested in too, myself included. Um, how did you go from shooting Idaho to I mean, obviously Bay Area, you probably had some contacts there, but New York is a totally I mean that's that's a long way away. That's a totally different ballgame. How did that happen for you? So for me, it actually happened opposite. I picked up New York first. um, And that was because of clothing connections. I had clients that were out there that were celebrity trainers and had did different things within the fashion industry. So I would travel out there for fashion meetings, started picking up their portrait sessions, which then became referred into wedding clients. Um, The interesting thing, and I do think it has changed, but when I transitioned and did my pivot, I feel like there weren't very many people doing it. So when you started to post it, 
people noticed your SEO was different. You became known for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think it's different now. And I have a lot of private coaching clients that always ask me, how do I, how do I get into destination weddings? And I tell them why, why do you want to do destination? (laughs) Right. Right. Drive down the streets and go shoot for the same price point and come home to my family. I would do that every single day. Yeah. Versus having to get on a plane, go shoot for two days, come home, be mom for two days. And then I'm basically out a week before I actually start doing. People have no idea how much work is involved. Um, you know, when, yeah. when you're working somewhere else and, I, and I've always found that, you know, when I do have, I do maybe like three, four a year where I'm somewhere else throughout the country, that kind of thing. And like, and every single time that I, that I do that, um, it just ends up being more work, you know, and I end up getting paid about the same amount of money, you know, like when it's all said and done after they're playing for my plane and the night in the hotel and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm, I basically, I when you look look hour for hour, I actually do make more money on local weddings. And yes, I could and should be charging more and everything like that when I do the destination weddings. But the reality is, is I just kind of want to book them. I'm like, ah, whatever, you know. So it's like, um, you know, it's just a lot more work than 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 people think, you know. And at the end of the day, sometimes I rather just would. I rather would if I could just um, shoot shoot all my weddings here. That would be great. That's fine, you know. So, but at the same time, um, you know, I think like. Uh, like as Jamie, like you're saying, um, if you want to, um, you know, work the, the higher end weddings and you're, and you're being paid what you're, what you're worth, um, you end up, um, living, you know, being able to, your time is worth money basically, essentially. And that's actually, um, maybe I should jump the gun, but one of the questions that when you had, had brought up evolved that I wanted to ask, and maybe we should just get into that topic, um, right now, as far as like what I've been up to, um, I've just been, I still got five more weddings left and, you know, and I, I had a cool gig, um, that, uh, like Lindsay and Nick, uh, were able to assist me on, on different days. It was a little bit outside of my, my area, but, uh, but, um, but as far as we should probably just get into the next topic now, evolve workshops. But one of the questions that I wanted to ask um, is, um, <laughs> Jamie, 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 Jamie did. <laughs> so, funny. so Jamie totally did did message earlier in the show. She's like, "I've got four kids coming up to me," and all this kind of thing. So, just as I was asking that question, she got up. I was like, "Oh my god!" Uh, so, Jamie, yeah, let's uh, let's transition over to uh, Evolve Workshops. Uh, tell us a little bit about Evolve Workshops, how, how it started, what it is, who it's for, um, and actually convince me a little bit as well as a, as a wedding photographer that's been doing this for. Um, you know, nine years now, um, if I'm looking for a workshop, why, why I might want to look into Evolve workshops. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So, so I kind of touched on it the first Evolve was started because I transitioned out of a company where I had a lot of connections into one where as a creative, I felt really lonely. So, um, in a small community, I felt like everybody here was out for themselves. Nobody was communicating about anything. And I had come from industries and other businesses where we would talk about what price and structure was. And we were talking about what worked and what didn't work. And here, everybody was really secretive. So it, it honestly just started with one girl. I asked if she was interested in shooting so I could get to know her. Worked out great. I asked another girl and I continued to do that for a while. Didn't always work out. Like we didn't always love each other. But like I was trying to build this community And so we started doing local events at my studio, like I said, and about two years into it, um, I had noticed nobody was making any money. And I still, at that point, didn't know coming from the clothing industry, 
was $10,000 a year good? Was $50,000 a year? Like what, what was the cap on wedding mm-hmm. photography? I didn't know what I could even accomplish. Nobody was having those conversations. Mm-hmm. And so I really sought out to build this community that was outside my area. And that's where the education came into. So flash forward five years, and that's still very much my focus with Evolve is community first connection points. You come and there's tangible education that's relevant to what you need to learn right now. And most our demographic have been in business, I would say two to four years, and they've kind of plateaued. They don't know where to go from there. They're not really sure how to change their pricing structure to, to make more money. They're not really sure what to do next in Actually, I kind of remember my, my question. Uh, yeah. the, and I guess it was this. Uh, you'd mentioned that you know a lot of photographers, as far as you know, making a living, what is the number one thing that you think wedding photographers are dropping the ball on in terms of being able to make a living on this? Is there like a number one tip or number one idea or concept that you think people are missing that that uh, we should? Because I have I have an answer for that in my head. I'm curious to know what your answer is compared to mine. Um, but what it, what do you have something that you think that that the majority of wedding photographers that maybe is missing? You know, from going from really not being able to make a living and just kind of flailing around in the wind as opposed to having a concrete uh, way to make a living off of this? Yeah, I think I will, maybe it's not the right answer that solves everybody. I'll tell you what I hear the most. Um, and it's a two-parter. I think pricing is a big reason that people flail. They don't understand pricing structure. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this weird illusion and myth in our industry that the first of the year we change our price and then we stick to it for the entire year. Nobody understands the need for dynamic pricing yes. and to set your pricing based off of booking rates. Agreed. And I think that hurts people a lot. The second thing I think that hurts people a lot is systems. And because it's a photography creative business, we're excited and we're shooting and we're doing all these wonderful things. And we get caught up in this momentum of photography. And I think around two years where people fail is they are so lost. They have no system in play, no client retention. Yeah. They don't have a buyer's journey. They don't even know their marketing strategy. They're not even sure who their brand is. Mm -hmm. And the thought of backtracking two years in creating a system is so overwhelming. I think a lot of people quit. I think those are two things that are really easy to fix Mm. is understanding pricing effectively from a business, not from a creative standpoint. Yes. And knowing, knowing how to create effective systems and time management I think would solve a lot of that. I think that's that's huge, huge, yeah. huge. The systems in place, uh, you know, from the beginning is is absolutely huge. From from a business standpoint, forget the creative standpoint of being a photographer, but just having those systems in place is huge. And I and that's usually not part of my answer. I mean, I ha- I'm somebody that does have systems in place, but but it is a, a big part of why I think I have a successful business. You know, as far as things go, my answer um, has always kind of been to that. Um, well, the the biggest thing is is this question that I feel like wedding photographers don't ask, how much money do you want to be making a year? Like for the love of God, ask that question first. Like what is like, you know, yeah. and I've always thought when I, when I used to be a teacher, cause I used to be a music teacher and I taught for eight years and then I transitioned from that into wedding photography. I've always said to myself, I, for the love of God, better be making as much as I was when I was a teacher. Cause if I'm not, then I should just go back to doing that. So, and, 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 I've just, you know, based pricing off of that to start and I've gone up over the years where, you know, I'm, I'm definitely making more than I was as a teacher that, you know, then, but, but it's always based off of how much should I be making a year and what is, what is it worth? It should, you know, if the world wants there to be 
a, a wedding photographer, you know, that, that is, that is, you know, uh, essentially somebody that has, I have a master's degree, right? Like my time is, is worth that amount of money, you know, for the amount of weddings that I'm capable of shooting per year. So like, it's basically like, what do you want to make per year? What are you capable of doing per year? And then divide, you, you know what I mean? It is it, yeah. like at least a baseline for like, um, what should happen. But, but yeah, Jamie, I, I, I think that having that foundation of business and then combining it with having systems in place, that's a huge one. Um, totally. Yeah. Well, I think um, to, like to add on that, I think part of systems, like you said, is, is knowing what you're working towards. I can't tell you how many people come to an event or do a private coaching and they don't know how much they're even trying to make. Right. And once you know how much you're trying to make, you know how many sessions that equals. You can figure out how many hours of editing that mm -hmm. is, how many hours of marketing it is. Yep. And they're just shooting open-ended with no end goal. And it's exhausting. It causes a lot of burnout when we're just taking, 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 and we don't actually know what we're working towards. Right. Yeah. So tell us uh, now, Let's uh, as far as the workshops go... Um, what do you, how many workshops do you do a year? What is, uh, what does this look like if, if we're, if, if for somebody that's interested in perhaps doing one, who are the, the people that you have uh, running these workshops? Uh, let's get into that a little bit. Um, sure. So like I said, this is our second annual conference. We've done five years of workshops and retreats all over the world. So a retreat is really focused on more customization for a small group where we can really create an experience in a destination around the world. They create content, they have customized education for them. And then a workshop is where we bring in four to six different educators and we teach on specific topics. So they know ahead of time what they're coming for as far as like specific uh, knowledge. And then the conference, like I said, is the open community events where we have phenomenal education, but it's also who you get to be in a room with. And we create a lot of opportunities for you to connect with other entrepreneurs, different sponsors, different vendors, and better your business that way. So we have three different essentially models, and then we're doing online education as well. So we're always trying to morph and make sure that we can help people at every single level. Because like I said, we did kind of get pigeonholed into that two to four year range. And I think there's a need for education on all levels. There's people that have been in business 12 years that still don't know some of the basics, 15 mm -hmm. years that need those refreshes. Um, what was the second question of that? I missed the, that. That's what we do. We do four to six a year. Does that, uh, there you no, go. I think Andy. that, I think that answered the question year. perfectly. Um, yeah. So, uh, and as the website, what is the website? It's evolveworkshops.org. Evolveworkshops.org. And the only thing on it right now is our Bay Area Conference. Okay. We, op we opened up tickets at the close of Palm Springs this past year. We did a 48-hour sale on 100 tickets, and they were gone in 48 hours. And we closed it until just this week. So it just opened up again for ticket sales on the first the shoots go live. Cool. Wow. So, Jamie, do you feel like... Uh, running this as a, a labor of love for you? Or do you see education as a part of your long-term plan? I know a lot of photographers are like, what happens if I'm ever, you know, injured and I can't shoot anymore? You know, maybe I'll teach that sort of thing. Is that something that you see in your future? Do you teach as well? Or do you, are you an organizer? What's your role in everything? I do everything. <laughs> in <a ball. laughs> Right now I run as CEO. So I'm the visionary. I think of all of our ideas and I try to find and hire implementers that can <laughs> take things off my plate. Cause I am a control freak too. So I'm like, yeah. you know, instead of teaching Lindsay how to do it, I'll just go do it. Um, 
for me, because I came from business for the past 15 years, like Evolve for me is definitely a labor of love. It's something I care the most about. I like the creative aspect of photography and I'll never stop shooting, but I love being able to help people. But for me, my long-term is to create, you know, investments and different things. So I really don't have to do anything if I don't find passion in it. And that's what I'm working towards. But I do see Evolve as a big chunk of that. I don't think it's something I'll ever get tired of doing. Um, I haven't gotten tired after five and a half years. So wow. knock on wood, I mean, I still find a lot of joy in it. So what are these other investment projects that you do to supplement? Yeah, so I have, like I said, I have a full service studio. Um, it provides hourly rentals to photographers that can't afford it in my area to be able to have indoor space. We also do events in that space and have a co-working space. So I do have that. My husband and I, he's a school teacher now. Uh, but before the recession, we flipped homes, we did investment properties. And so that's still very much something that's important to us is mm. to create that passive income. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Uh, because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, I think at my know. age, I don't know. No. And I don't know how old you guys are, but I think, do I really want to shoot in 10 years? <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah. push, I'm pushing 50 in 10 years. I'm 38 now. So the thought of shooting at 48 I'd love to be able to pick up a project like Annie Leibovitz and be like, yeah, I'll go shoot that. But I don't want it to be something I have to yeah. worry about. Yep. I feel the same way. And I feel like wedding photographers, we all need to be thinking about that, those kinds of things. Because I've um, the way I the way I ask I say that Jamie is I say do I want to be rolling around on the floor when I'm 60 years old shooting weddings <laughs> you know yeah. and and like you know like no I'm good do you know what I mean like like if I have I I would rather be doing personal projects or art project projects like you said because I want to but you know same kind of thing like like as from a business standpoint. Um, absolutely. Like I have, like I, we have like in a, some, a place that we're renting, you know, like, uh, like, you know, thinking about like actually, you know, thinking about the financial side of things, you know, do you have your IRA going, all these kinds of things really matter that we have to be thinking about, you know, being business owners that are, you know, being set up for ourselves. We're not going to get a pension. We're not, that's not happening, you know, later on in life. So, so we need to be doing those things, thinking about those things and, and now essentially. So yeah. Um, the scary thing about that, I think, is some photographers like us, it sounds like all of you guys are the same way. We've been doing things for 15 years. I mean, we've created a career out of it. But what really scares me are these new photographers that take it up and they don't think of it as a long-term plan. Mm -hmm. They're overspending. There's no budgeting. They don't know what they're going to do with those type of things. And so they have to find a new career, essentially, in, in two to three years. And, and that makes me sad because this could be yeah. a career for a lot of people. A lot of people could shoot 15, 20 years and really find joy in it and create some financial stability. And I don't think yeah. enough people think of it that way. It's like a, it's a passion project that turns into money that ends up being a burnout. Mm. I think this is great. There's, I think a lot of, I have found in just my life experience that a lot of people who are really artistic really struggle with that business side and have a hard time of implementing processes and and putting a budget and planning money and even understanding all of that. Um, it just seems like maybe it's a left brain, right brain kind of thing, but a lot of, you know, friends, um, and something I've had to like really work hard at, like, I don't, you know, managing a, a, a budget is not, is the, one of the farthest things that comes natural for me. And I've really had to just buckle down and figure it out and work really hard at it. Cause, and I hate doing it too. Finally, I hired a bookkeeper this year. It's a lot better. Uh, but I think this is, that's, that's a super important thing that 
um, a lot of, I think, artists and photographers don't even necessarily know that they need, um, or they do know that they need it, but it seems so hard and so far away or so overwhelming that it just feels crushing and you just go, well, I'm just going to keep working as hard as I can. Hopefully it'll work out in the end. So do you guys do a lot of that training with people? Is that part of like, if I came to, um, like if there are photographers listening now that wanted to come or, or know that that's a weakness of theirs, is that, can they take a class at this conference or is it something you do all year round or different points in the year? Um, so it's something that we're, we're, we're working on doing something all year round. The interesting thing is when we've done breakouts and keynotes that are on financials, they're probably the least attended. Yeah. And um, so what happens, what happens for me is I feel not like a sexy. lot of people, it's not sexy. A lot of people come after they come to the event and after the fact they're hiring me for private coaching because they've realized that they're missing some of these fundamentals. And I love to teach on them. I love teaching on financial blocks. I had them for years, like being able to keep money after I would make money and understand where that was coming. And so I really like to teach on them, but oddly enough at live events, nobody wants to attend them. They want to go see the new marketing thing. They want to go see the new lighting technique, like the things that are fun and that they can enjoy, but really the essentials is it's something I'm working on Nick Mm. to find a way to give that education to them year round, but it's hard. It's hard to get people excited about it. Yeah, if they could see how important that is, like you just said it, but like Andy said it too, like we don't want to be rolling around on the ground at 60, I taking do. 15 minutes to get up, and Lindsay does. <laughs> Lindsay's climbing mountains in her off time, so I don't know, <laughs> you're, in a, you're in a different class than the rest of us. Um, but, I, you know, especially as, you know, I have four kids too, and I... Don't it's tough. Like if they have sports on Saturdays and Sundays or Fridays, like or other things that they care about are important to them. Like weddings get planned way before those dance recitals or games get scheduled. And like at some point, I want to be able to pull back a little bit. But if you have no, if you're just like in a financial hole or free fall or just no, no anything whatsoever, just no plan and no budget and. You don't know how much you need to make. You don't know how much you are making. You don't know how much you lost last year. Like those things are so, so, so important. And I wish it didn't take me, you know, to my thirties to figure that out. Um, so if you're listening and you're younger, for the love of God, <laughs> go get a financial planner, take some classes, go talk to Jamie here, um, get your stuff together. Like time to be an adult. You want to be a business, be a business and stop you know, just winging it and come up with a good plan and you can actually make great money. Do this for as long as you feel like, not as long as you have to. Um, but I don't know. And that- I, I'm revved up. I, this is, this sounds sexy <laughs> to me. This is, I'm, I'm, I make money and travel in my fifties. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's important to know though, that you, you don't have to do all of that stuff yourself. A part of it can be building you know, your bookkeeper knew your cost of doing business. Like it doesn't mean you have to spend the time doing it. You should focus on the things you're good at and that you enjoy. And if you enjoy bookkeeping and accounting and all that stuff, and a lot of people do, then sure, do it for your business. And if you don't like outsource that stuff and focus on what you're good at, but have a plan either way. Yeah. Make that decision. Don't let that just be whatever it is. Go, I'm going to make them. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to hire somebody. 
or yeah, something. Yeah, you don't have to. You can hire out your weaknesses. That's not a bad thing, and that's not that doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make it makes you wise, um, knowing what your weaknesses are. And, and sometimes I think you you look at a weakness and you go, all right, I need to make that a strength. I need to turn this thing around and make it into a strength. And sometimes you got to have the wisdom or discernment or whatever to know that you know what this is going to be more than worth than it's worth i'm going to just budget out 100 bucks a month for a bookkeeper and someone to manage this for me i can call them up if i want to buy a camera and ask them if i can um <laughs> just got to figure that stuff out and i think that's where communities are so great is sometimes you don't know what you don't know you don't know what you don't know and you don't you kind of just need to talk to other people about it and see what they're doing and um i love that Jamie, what you've done is started out a community um, and kind of grown from there. And, you know, I, well, that's one of the things we have in the Western New York area that was blown away by when I first came on the scene, um, you know, eight, nine years ago was how much people weren't in competition. Like, yes, like the three of us, me, Andy and Lindsay and Neil, uh, we're all competing for, you know, a close, we're, we're, we're in direct competition. Um, but at the same time, like, we're good friends and we help each other and that's how the community is. And that's like a huge benefit. Um, I love that it started out a community and grown into this thing that now is, you know, I'm sure it sounds like it's growing and growing and you have lots of plans to continue to make it grow. Totally. It's, I always say it's like community run and it continues to be community run. Like that's how it started and it's how it's continued. Um, But within the community, I mean, it is so important to be able to have the three of you to, talk to and figure out what is working and what's not working and to be able to have those honest conversations about what you feel you're failing at, who can fill that void. And I don't know if it was something with being a parent when I transitioned in business, but time is your only non-renewable resource. And for me, community, community was a source that helped me better manage my time because I was having resources as I had people to talk to. I didn't have to figure it out on my own. I wasn't spending hours researching. I finally had people who were in it with me that could understand it. And I had access to educators that could help me fix it. And that becomes more and more important to me, the older my kids get. The biggest lie, I don't know if you guys, how old your kids are, the biggest lie out there is that you'll get more time the older your kids get. You get less time, they get busier. (laughs) And shoot, you know, I know it is a lie. lie. But I I want my time. And I know our community can solve a lot of those things. Cool. Uh, listeners, we do have an assortment of handpicked information that's relevant to you. But first, just in case you forgot your place in space and time, this is Wedding Photographers Unite, a bi-weekly wedding photography podcast for wedding photographers. Bye, wedding photographers. Mm. The show goes mm. live roughly every other week. And while we're at it, please do leave us a review in iTunes and subscribe in iTunes. Just like, oh, I'm a nice guy did. Uh, I'm a nice guy wrote in and he said the best wedding photography podcast period. He left us all the stars and he says, I discovered the WPU podcast and I am so hooked not only because of the wealth of excellence and delivery of valuable information for current and potential wedding photographers, but also for the entertaining personalities of Andy, Neil and Jimmy, Neil and Jimmy will be back. They're just not here today. Um, I went back and started listening to previous episodes all the way back before Jimmy joined. You guys rock. Thank you for the time and effort you put into this podcast. I wholeheartedly appreciate it. I'm in Toronto and so hoping to meet you one day. 
from Max. Uh, also, I'm a nice guy. Uh, and I just, and I actually, um, Max wrote in on the, the Canadian iTunes and I didn't know. And I just kind of discovered that the different um, international iTunes, it's now called Apple Podcasts because they, sw- they switch from iTunes to Apple Podcasts. Um, they're, they're different. So there's like a whole bunch of reviews in Canada that I never saw before. There's ones yeah. over in the uh-huh. EU that I never saw before. So, um, and there's a, there's a few cool ones, uh, that are, that are like super funny, um, that were like written internationally that I want to, that I want to go back and read at some point, not today. Um, but, <laughs> but I, I didn't even know those were there cause I was only looking in the iTunes store and in, in the U S so I, so, so these other ones I'm just kind of seeing now. Um, in any event, uh, please do leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, it really does help other people find the show. We really do appreciate that. Leave all the stars. All the stars are good. Words are even better. Um, and also connect with us on our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and look for Wedding Photographers Unite and uh, join us there. You can ask questions in there. Uh, and we'd prefer to talk with you rather than at you. Uh, speaking of which... Molly wrote in to Wedding Photographers Unite and she said, Hey there, I was wondering how do you handle vendor galleries? Are they websized? Are they watermarked? Do you include something like, you are welcome to use these for social media, but just ask for credit in the post? Just curious. So I guess, uh, guys, what do you do? What do you do for your vendor galleries if a vendor wants to uh, use images from the wedding? We all handle that a little bit differently, but there probably are some good best practices that we can put into place. Um, who wants to who wants to take that to start? Um, I guess I can kick it off. Uh, so for me, it kind of depends on uh, the wedding and who the venue and vendors are, and how badly I want to work with them again. <laughs> um, so if <laughs> if it, you know if the the floral arrangements were absolutely fabulous, and you know I want to do that florist the favor of providing them images, you know I might just make a nice Dropbox link with uh, my favorite photos. The way I uh, workflow wise, uh, when I'm picking out photos for my blog, uh, essentially those are the ones I would want shared in general. So I'm only really pulling from those. So once I have the blog photos picked, say that's a hundred photos, um, then I'll just quickly search through there and pick out the nice flower ones among those, make a little Dropbox. Um, if it's a planner though, uh, someone who wants to probably use quite a few images, maybe they want to do their own blog or, use them for various different types of social media posts and that sort of thing. Um, I know I use Shootproof for my client galleries and they offer an option uh, to make a vendor uh, folder within your uh, gallery that you can then share with your vendors uh, and they can download files right from there. Um, As far as permissions go, yeah, I always request that, uh, you know, (laughs) don't put crappy filter on my pretty Ugh. photo it hurts my feelings <laughs> and bad. i say it just like that like you know please feel free to use these uh but you know don't 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 hurt my feelings and <laughs> make it look like an oil painting with a filter or whatever crazy things they do um and sometimes they listen and sometimes they don't and you know i usually just let it go from there but um and then if they want to and then i also mentioned to them that if they want to use them for purposes other than social media to just reach out if they're gonna throw my photo up on a billboard then you know we're gonna have to talk commercial licensing but yeah i think that's my process i do a lot of the same like i blog too and it's easy just to pull right from there because you're kind of already pulling those out first, maybe spending a little more time on them. 
Um, the only thing, uh, yeah, basically everything the same. Um, I was thinking about this, and, and I can't remember what show it was, but Neil was talking about how people don't aren't going to look down and and read. They're really just going to scroll through. Well, they don't. And and so putting so I've started now that now my new policy, really starting like a week or two ago, is just I'm just if you I'm happy to share photos with you. Um, obviously, you know venues and planners are probably going to get the priority only because they're first stops for for couples. And, you know, the florist, although I'm happy to help um, as soon as I can, as soon as I'm able, like, I, I know that mo- usually the florist is coming after me um, as far as when, when a couple's uh, book, what order they book venue- vendors in. But I've started, like, I'm just going to put my name on it, and it's going to be in there. Don't remove it. I might even, if I'm feeling like I have the time, I might even, like, crop it to Instagram, um, like, prop right the right size so that because if you send i think like a four by three is typically what we our cameras take but instagram i think is more like eight by ten and so if you put your logo in the bottom corner of a four by three ratio it'll instagram will ask you like it'll by default crop your photo and so i'll either put that the my you know my logo up higher or just crop eight by ten and put it in the right place and that way it's always going to be there. And that way they, they're going to see my name. And the more times people see your name or your business logo or whatever, it creates that echo effect. If clients who are looking to book you can hear your name from this venue and this vendor and you know, this group, whatever, I yeah, kind of I, go for that. I, I just kind of getting back to something Jamie said earlier, I, um, having a system in place is a good thing that you definitely want yeah. to have. So when a vendor shoots me an email and says, Hey, can I use these picks? Um, I get on my little, uh, um, and actually in Google and Gmail, I just type a few type, I actually type vendor picks and then this whole long email comes up and it's like pop. And then I can kind of change emails. it and adjust and adjust. Yeah. Canned email from there. And my response is this, and everybody's going to be a little bit different, but this is kind of my system that I have in place. I say, Hey, you know, wedding vendor, blah, blah, blah. Um, just let me know the, the numbers that you're interested in using. They show at the bottom of the screen, blah, blah, blah. And then I spell it out for them very clearly. Um, and I say for social media, using a non-watermarked image with photo credit included for each image is okay. And I say rebranding an image with your watermark. Yes, that's happened before. And why I need to mention it, yowzers. And I put that right in the email like that, kind of friendly, but kind of like, hey, don't freaking <laughs> do that. Don't do right? that. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I'd say that's not okay. And then I say this for website, brochure, signage, anything else, very clearly laid out. If requested, I'll provide a watermarked version that's okay for usage, but it must include the watermark as provided. Not that every, anybody's ever going to use a watermark version for that stuff usually, right? Because, and then I go on and I say, if you'd like to use something without a watermark for website, brochure, signage usage, or anything else, just let me know the intended usage and I'll turn around a reasonable quote for you. So it's, it's I'm just, somebody, a vendor wants to use pics, I write, I write vendor pics, that pops up. And then depending on the situation, I can change it and adjust it. Um, depending on the venue, et cetera. So, um, and everybody now, handles Andy, that. you send them the whole gallery though for them to pick from. I right? just yeah, because I, anything that I release is going to be something that I think is high quality enough that that it's it's representative of my work. I don't have the time. I'm not going to take the time to look through and pick these photos. Like here, you pick them out. <laughs> I don't got the time for that. You here's the gallery. You send me the image numbers that you want to use. And I'm happy. I'll just send them your way. You know what I mean? And and use them exactly the way that I have laid out 
as far as the usage was concerned with what I mentioned, you know, so it's the same um, client gallery, the same gallery. I, get, I just, I literally just give them the client gallery and say, Hey, what do you want yeah. to use? Give me the image numbers, you know, um, for social media. Now watermark is okay. But if you're going to use it for, for any of those other things that I talked about, it's going to be watermarked, which they don't want to do. Um, but and, and if they do fine, whatever, I don't care. Um, because I, ha I've mentioned on this podcast before I had that the reason that I came up with this and I, and I realized that, that it's worth nothing is because on Kleinfeld Bridal, I had an image on the homepage of their website when I first started. The homepage. I mean, it doesn't, and, and it sat there for a year with my name on it, thinking I was going to get all these New York City brides contacting me because my name was there. Not one time did I get contacted. Nobody's looking at the name of the photographer on, the, on there, even though it was on, you know, the biggest dress store in the world, you know? So now then I realized, like, depending on the venue and depending on the relationship you want to have with the venue if it's a local venue if it's a venue that that is you know more nationally known then you're going to want to charge something for that like because it was worth nothing for me to you know to, to have that up there I, th I thought it would be worth something but it was worth nothing for me so now it's like i'm going to charge you know if, if you're going to use something even if it's if, even if it's local even if it's in my area i'm going to charge something for it um, to, to recognize that there's a value to that. And if not, then it doesn't matter to me. You know, like I'm, I'm at least being the nice guy and saying, Hey, yeah, you can use it. Um, but just put my watermark on it. But if they want to take the watermark off, that's fine. That's fine. I'm just going to charge you something for it, you know? Um, and I feel like it kind of meets in the middle there. Jamie, what do you do as you're listening to us talk about this? Do you have a different way that you kind of handle this? Um, what does it depend on the venue? Um, is it similar? What do you, what do you do? Kind of a mix of all of you guys. I was thinking I used to kind of do what Nick did. I used to take way more time and, and conscious effort into doing that. Now it's kind of like a mix of you and Lindsay. I, I'll give them the entire gallery. They go through, they choose their favorites, and I turn around and send it with an email, just like you said, that lays out the restrictions for it. For me, I just, I don't care all that much. And maybe it's partially laziness because like you were saying, Andy, I don't feel like it converts. Right. So, you know, my focus is usually like, I want to make sure they're happy. I want them to refer me. I want a right. good vendor connection. Their image on anything in social media has never to this point. I've never had met somebody be like, oh, I totally saw your image on so-and-so's right. menu. Right, exactly. Like, it's just, it's, so for me, I'm like, I'd rather keep them happy, give them the image that they want, make sure they have the parameters. And then again, like I said, it could just be laziness. Maybe I'm just getting lazy in my old age. No, not at all. I mean, I think, I, you know, so much of, where you now the question is where do we get the 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 weddings from it's all right. networking right it's all whose wedding you shot friend of a friend it's like that's where we get the weddings from and i think it is it's just a matter of you know for the vendors it's just a matter of keeping them happy so so i feel like what i do it like keeps them happy but it's also not being disrespectful to me too you know what i mean i want to meet in the middle you know somewhere between totally. them, you know so all right um uh, we had, uh, and maybe we should just do maybe a couple more of these just in terms of time. Uh, we had Julia write in uh, to Wedding Photographers Unite on the Facebook group. And Julia wrote and said, hey, I'm shooting this afternoon for an engagement party. Um, luckily, some it has something inside, but they also wanted some couple shots outdoors in 53 kilometer per hour winds. Explanation point, question mark, explanation point, question mark. Uh, and then she tells us, us Americans, that it's that's almost 33 miles per hour. And then she says, "Help! What do you do when when a couple wants uh wants to shoot and there's all that wind in there? Do you have a a policy in place? Like if you have an engagement session 
and you look at the forecast and it's uh, raining that morning or it's windy. And what is uh, what do we do with that? Oh, hi. Who is that? <laughs> hi. Oh, the, the the microphone's muted, but that's yes. Jamie's very beautiful. <laughs> yeah. This is this is Channing. She's my youngest. <laughs> hi there. He's Hello. a cutie. Oh, <laughs> we haven't had a kid say hi on the show in a long time. <laughs> that, was, that was super cute. Um, but anyway, what do you guys do when uh, when you look at you have an engagement session scheduled and you look at the forecast and it's rainy and it's uh and it's it's windy? What what do you do? Do you have a procedure in place? I I always try to reschedule, and I tell them that like day one, meeting one, um, you know, with engagement sessions. Like I'm and I'm doing it on purpose to like prep them because I want that good weather because we can control it. On wedding days, you can't, and you got you get what you get, and you really just have to make that work. Um, and uh, but with engagement sessions, I tell them right day one is like, hey, you know, we want you know we want good weather. We want to put you in the best light as as you know as much as possible. Um, you know, if you want rain, then that's great. We'll wait for a rainy day and we'll cancel when it's sunny. And reschedule, but I like kind of get it in their heads and prep them ahead of time. Like, if the weather's not what we want, we're going to reschedule and try to plan early enough where it's not a big deal. Um, and so I would say like thirty to forty percent of mine get rescheduled just because of maybe not quite that high, maybe twenty twenty five percent get rescheduled because uh, I want a certain look and I want to put them in you know like nice golden light and I can if I can get a sunset out of it, that's great too. Um, so, so Nick, with four kids though, like how at what point do you make that call? Because obviously you have a life that you need to tend to. So do you make do you look at the weather like a day ahead, an hour ahead? What are we talking? Um, so there's a couple things that go into that. Yeah, I'm I'm watching, you know, usually with rain, like temperature is usually pretty accurate. At least this is my experience with weather. Is temperate whatever they predict the temperature is gonna be, that's it's usually pretty close. Unless it's going to be like 100% rain all day, like a lot of times there's patches, and so we'll kind of make the call the day before. But if it even looks bad, I'm usually emailing about a day before or maybe a few days before and just trying to feel out how comfortable they are because some people, they're planners, they're just more anxious in general, and so changing plans on them at the last moment is really stressful. So you've got to try and figure out what they are okay with. Um, but a lot of times I'll just say, hey, can we make the call? You know, it looks like it might be rain. Can we make the call day before or the morning of? And then we will make that call. The other side of that is how um, how we um, function as a family. Um, I have four kids from ages one to uh, almost seven, a couple days. So it'll be, he'll be seven. Um, but they're all young. Um, my wife uh, is a stay-at-home mom. Um you know, this is a whole topic in itself, in itself, but we've worked really hard on how to communicate and function because I work from home and I'm, I work. And when you own your own business, sometimes you get that email at 1030 at night and it really needs to be dealt with. So I'm not always, but sometimes, um, and that kind of stuff comes up. And so we've had to have a lot of conversations, my wife and I, uh, about how to deal with that. It wasn't easy at first. It was difficult at first. My wife tells me, um, told me my first, our first year of marriage, like she would hear my, my office chair would creak and it was right next to the living room. And she would get so mad when she would hear that sound because I, she knew I was in the office and not 
hanging out with her. And it just took time to kind of figure that out. And it's funny, because just, um, just before we started uh, recording the show, um, I said to her, you know, um, a lot of couples, hopefully not on purpose, but a lot of times inadvertently um, will pour water on the other person's fire. And I feel like, this is what I said to her, I said, I feel like you, like, I feel like you blow on it and make it bigger. And so part of that is that my wife is honestly incredible and um, is really supportive. She also sees the big picture too, which makes it easier that this is how we live. This is how we can have the life that we have. And she can have, you know, what we do as a family, like it takes some sacrifice at times. Um, so she is great at seeing the big picture. It's taken a lot of communication just for both of us to understand the other person and see where the other person is coming from to make um, being home a lot of nights. I mean, if you know how it is from like when you start doing engagement sessions, especially late August, a ton in September, early October, everyone wants those fall leaves. Um, and that's like the busiest time of the year. You're, and then Christmas, people want Christmas pictures and, and family pictures and your weddings are doing doubles and you're stacked up and – it's like the craziest time of year. So there's, you know, a lot of nights um, in the past few months that I'm not there for bedtime. Um, but that kind of thing has kind of become our norm. And we know that the off season is coming too. that, you know, December, January, February, I don't have to be in the office that much. And um, so I think the key for us is seeing the big picture, having a lot of conversations, trying to communicate, understand the other person. Um, and so when I have to reschedule uh, a shoot, for a night um, that wasn't planned, that's kind of comes with the territory. Um, so it's a long answer there, sorry. Uh, but that's kind of everything that goes into it for us. Yeah, um, just really quickly for that, I just sent an email the day before morning of explaining the situation. This is what can happen with wind. This is what the chances of rain look like right now. I always let the couple decide. So I'm not making that decision. You're making that decision. I'm just giving you the benefits. If you want to reschedule, you're welcome to. Um, but I always kind of put that on them because, and, and I let them know you need to decide at least three hours before the shoot so I can plan accordingly. Because <laughs> um, then you're in this weird world where you don't know if the shoot's on or not. But so I always put it on them. I don't want to be the one making the decision. You're making the decision. <laughs> I'm just giving you, I'm just letting you know that, hey, 15 mile per hour winds, this is probably going to happen. We're at 20 mile per hour winds, this is probably going to happen. And you might be a couple that likes that look. You might not be a couple that likes that look, but you it's ultimately up to you to decide if you want to reschedule that 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 or not. I'm just kind of giving you the info. And then I don't worry about it cuz cuz in the past I would like help make them the, the the decision and I'm like on the phone and all this kind of stuff and it's like I don't even have the time for that. Like I'm I'm going to give you the information and then you just decide what you want to do. Let me know anytime up to 3 hours before the shoot tomorrow. You know, and if you and maybe you're a couple that likes that look with the wind, the windy hair and the bohemian kind of look, and you know what I mean. And we're gonna get some rainy stuff, so whatever. That's cool. I'll shoot. I'll shoot in anything. But um, but but very often I have a you know a certain kind of bride that wants a very clean look, and that shoot isn't gonna happen. But it's not. It's them. It's on them to decide. Um, a uh, really quick here, just uh, because we're kind of getting we're kind of getting there in terms of time. Um. Uh, Rachel wrote in. She says, "Hey everyone, I'm li I'm loving listening to the podcast while processing. I was wondering if anybody would be willing to share their ideas on prompting um, when directing couples for candid photos. She's been doing this for many years, and I've bounced back and forth. Um, and she's just her a lot of her looks are looking the same as far as posing goes. 
And I just want to kind of suggest that um, there's a, a Facebook group that I joined recently. I think it's called like Prompt. Um, let me just look it up. Oh, mm. Promptography. And I'm going to spell that P-R-O-M-T-O. Once again, that's Prompto. Prompto <laughs> Promptography. Promptography. Um, and uh, it's a really cool group because on everything that gets posted in there, um, it's basically just photographers will post the images and under each image, it's a requirement that it says, what did you say to the couple? What did you say to the family in order to elicit that photo that we're looking at as we're looking at it? And, um, the, a lot of the Facebook groups have been kind of annoying me to be honest lately, like just with the stuff that goes on in there. But I found that one to be pretty good in terms of when I see a photo, they're going to, the photographer says what they said. And then that kind of like has actually been cool. Cause I have, I have my bag of tricks that I use to kind of help things throughout a session, but but I've definitely like added a few things since I've joined this group a few months ago, kind of seeing things kind of scroll by. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's a that's a great idea to kind of add that to my little bag of tricks or is like a slight different take on what I normally would do in that situation. So it's called um, Promptography. And you should join that on Facebook um, and take a look at that. And that's going to really help with your prompts rather than any of us maybe listing specific ones that we do. Unless somebody has a really good one. Anybody have like a real good one they use that... No. Okay. Um, in that case, um, maybe maybe just the last topic here. And oh, actually, you know what? Well, I'll save this this the Venmo thing for next time. When Lindsay will hash that out next episode. Oh, man. Um, I just 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 a news item that I really felt was important to mention this episode. Um, is it uh, the Case Act has recently um, gone through, and this is like super important. <laughs> For, for photographers. It's super important for photographers in the sense that um, right now when we talk about copyright law, um, if somebody was uh, to basically steal one of our images and use it without permission, um, the copyright law is like really kind of messed up and really needs some to be reformed essentially. And uh, and what this what this has done, this has passed in the, the first part of this. I think it's, it's passed in the Senate and now it needs to go to the House. But essentially, reverse what, that. Oh, sorry. Um, I will reverse that. It's passed in the House and now needs to go to the Senate. Thanks, Lindsay. Um, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> but essentially, the the big here's the big important thing for photographers and what this means. What this means is, um, rather than having to go through big time lawyer fees in order, like if like if, if a small local business steals an image, right, and you have it have it sent for copyright, um. We have to spend it unless it's like ten thousand dollars. Unless you're going to be suing for more than ten thousand dollars, it's basically not even worth doing it. But what this is going to enable us to do as as creatives is basically go to small claims for um, for small infringements um, that would be like under ten thousand dollars. So most of the infringements that 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 most photographers are going to get on a regular basis are going to be this and always have been. And this has been the broken thing about the copyright. Um, act for so long and I you know there's a lot of um, a lot of people have been working on this um, I know Michaela who has been on the show Michaela Jade uh, she, she's been working with PPA on this uh, Jenna Close with American Society of Media Photographers um, uh, a lot of a lot of people have been working on this for us and if you know one of these people you should be thanking them for 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 putting the time energy and effort into getting this done it's like it's 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 a, it's not a small deal it's a huge deal it's going to reform the copyright it's going to make it more um you know possible for 
you know, people's to, to not lose their rights as far as, as far as images go. So look into that more. If you're interested, I'll put a link in the show notes, uh, for, for where we are with this, for the case act. Um, but it's, I just thought, thought that was a very important to mention this episode. Um, and, uh, and, and congratulations to the people that have been working on that. That's, and I guess it passed like really big time. It was like, I think, yeah, I, I think there are only six no's. Yeah. Like six no's out of like 400 or something like that or whatever it is. Who votes no? So, yeah. Amazing. Jerks. Jerks vote no. <laughs> <laughs> Jerks vote no. <laughs> Make a t-shirt. Right. Um, but guys, yeah, I guess that's it in terms of time. Uh, we should probably wrap it up cause we're going on right about an hour 15, something like that. So, um, yeah, Jamie, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us and just kind of jumping into the fray on this episode. We really appreciated having you. Um, uh, Jamie, Thanks, where, I love being here. Absolutely. Where can people find you if they want to find you on social media, if they want to follow Evolve Workshops? Uh, just send them wherever. Where, where, where should we be sending people here? Uh, so for me personally, you can just jamiefindleyphotography.com. And that also has a link to my private coaching. And then private coaching is the landlocked mermaid on Instagram. That yep. was goes clear back to my fashion days and I've never gotten rid of it. I love Someday it. <laughs> there's gonna be a there's gonna be a book associated with it and I can't let go of it. Love it. Um so there's the landlocked mermaid and Jamie Finley photography on Instagram. And then evolve is evolveworkshops.org or evolve workshops on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Nick D'Antonio, where can people find you? NickDantonio.com is N-I-C-K-D-A-N-T-O-N-I-O. And social media is Nick D'Antonio Photo. And Ms. Dadario? My website is Dadario.com. No, you're not D-E-D- supposed to. No, you're not A-R-I-O. supposed to do it. No, I will not even let you do it like that. You're supposed to say, I am Dadario, like you've been saying before. <laughs> Uh, thought I'd mix it up a little. Oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> and my name's Andy Buscemi. My hey, last... wait, wait, wait. Whoa. Why don't I get a social media? <laughs> oh, sorry, go, go ahead, Lindsay. That's two weeks in a row. <laughs> go for it. Um, my Instagram is Lindsay with an A at work. Oh, also super important. Uh, we have that Wedding Photographers Unite finally uh, Instagram account after years of doing this show. We have one going again, working. What is that? How do people follow us on there? You just go to wedding photographers unite on uh, Instagram, and and we're and you posted a few things last week. I did. I did a couple stories. Oh, cool! Some, How many followers uh, do we have? We have like twenty we have now. Sixty. Like oh, that's not bad right. after a week or whatever. For right. like two weeks, yeah. Okay, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> um, it w- and my name is Andy Buscemi. The last name is Buscemi, B-U-S-C-E-M-I. Follow me on social media that way. You'll find my, my uh, social media. Come up with so thank you so much for joining us, everybody. And we will catch you next time. See ya.